Welcome back to another week of the Walling and Owen Show. Matt Walling, as always, joined alongside Luke Owens for our only show of the week. That's right, Luke abandoning me, abandoning me yet again on Wednesday. And in the dog days of summer, right. Luke, I, I just don't think I can pull off a solo show. I know I did it, you know, back when I was home on Long Island for a little bit. I did a half-hour show. Islanders were playing at the time, but when it's Mets and Yankees to talk about and, and no one really wants to talk about the Yankees, I, I don't know if I can get even a half-hour out of the Yankees on Wednesday. Yeah, it's tough times right now. We've got NFL training camp starting to open, so hopefully we'll get some storylines there. But yeah, it is definitely the dog days of summer. And my, my one thing about the show now that really stinks, and we've talked about how it, it does kind of stink to not be on radio, I miss the intro. That, that's what really yeah. gets the juices flowing before the show, to hear the song, to be ready to go, to hear the beautiful stylings of Brandon Fallett saying you're listening to the Wally and Owen show. It's just, it, it's just kind of sad to not have that, that juice to get me going. And even if I wanted to figure out how to get the audio in, which I think I can, we'd get, we'd get uh, yelled at. Yeah, we'd get Twitch. flagged. Right. We get flagged. We get we get sued by the great people over at um the great showman. Flogged, flogged. I, yeah. I heard we get stoned, so they're gonna start throwing rocks at us. Oh, I thought you were talking about a different kind of stone. Never. I thought you were talking no. about a little a toke of the bubon. <laughs> Never, Luke. This is a, this is a clean show. A clean That's show. Right. We have to be drug tested week on a weekly basis. Right. It, I don't know if you heard that uh, conspiracy about the uh, the U.S. men's golf team. No, what was it? The so the two longest drivers on the team, it was Bryson DeChambeau and I forget the other dude's name. It was the guy that had COVID like three weeks ago and had it to wasn't drop John out of Ram, was it? Yeah, John Ram. Wow, look at me. They they both tested positive for COVID and couldn't travel. But people are saying it's because they didn't want to have to do drug testing because the IOC drug test, the PGA does not, and they're the two longest drivers on the U.S. Really. Yeah, because, like, how would this guy get COVID? Like, he just had it. How would he get it again? But wouldn't you think that he Unless would... maybe it's, like, still in him. I don't know. Wouldn't you think he would just not accept the, the bid to the Olympics? That's true, maybe. I don't know. There's just a lot of rumblings going on right now about it, so you never know. Uh, I don't really know how the, the Olympic golf works. Have you been watching the Olympics? No, I have not watched a single that's... second of it, and I do not plan to. I was at um, Buffalo Wild Wings last night, a glorious establishment. Um, and I was, it was on the TV and I was like, I was, it was like the air rifle competition. Like they're just shooting like airsoft guns. And I'm like, imagine like training four years to go to the Olympics to like shoot a gun a few times. Like that's wild to me. And so I, I was watching a little, I was watching that. I watched a little synchronized diving. So I, I got my little, my little fill of the Olympics. I think water polo is in the Olympics too, right? That's yeah, exciting. Water polo. You got that. Swimming is always a good time. Uh, speed walking, of course. Is, speed walking is not an Olympic sport, is it? It is an Olympic sport. I don't, yes. I don't it's, believe it's very you. electric. I think that's the sport that you'd be most likely to meddle in would be like speed walking. You think or so? maybe I'm trying to think of what other sports I think handball. I could dominate handball. No, it's handball's hard. Sport. You just throw the ball. Like no, like you just throw European the ball handball where like you're like like the soccerish game. Yeah. Or is this what do you like soccerish? They use their hands. But it's like How could the it be soccer soccer-ish? goal is what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's hard. Throw the you, ball did you play intramural handball? No, I would have been sick. Oh, it was, it was hard, man. I mean, you got a real heavy ball. Uh, friend of the show, Patrick Cheng, has a scar like this long on his arm because he dove for the ball, literally from like his from his wrist all the way down to his elbow, and has a well, scar that's just diving. because that's he dove on end turf. I can, it's a tall that can sport, happen man. anywhere. Luke, uh, friend of the show, uh, Colton chimes in and says, "Flip cup. How about that?" Oh, yeah, you could be a, an Olympic flip cupper. That's Not true. Not just me. No, I You're think speed walking would be your sport. I, see, I, I could do speed walking just because I hate walking slow. I'll, I'll get behind someone on the sidewalk, and I'll be, oh, like, losing works. my mind. Oh, oh yeah. it's a mess. It really it's is. Not but, yeah, so I haven't watched a ton of the Olympics, but it's kind of like the juice is also lost when there's no fans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always it cool to be have happening people from either. all around. Like, Japan no, is in borderline lockdown. Yeah, and they were all like, why? Why is this happening? Like, this is stupid. Mm. Yeah, it was a bad Speaking idea. of a mess, Luke, how about those Yankees? Ooh, I mean, you, you, brutal. Realistically, they should have been 3-1 and one this past weekend. They end up going 1-3. and three. Um, You kind of tread water 3-4 and four against Boston in those two series if you combine them since the All-Star break ended, which is it's not bad, right? I mean, you, you started the streak and you were, what, 0-3 against the Red Sox or 0-6 coming into this that first set after the All-Star break. So there's some time to make 
make kind of pace and, ca- and not catch up to the Red Sox, but there's just been five losses for this Yankee team, Luke, that is borderline unacceptable. And you'd imagine, you know, you'd have a loss like this once every year, you know, maybe every other year. But to have basically five of these, you know, there was one against the Angels, there was one against the Astros, and then these two this past week was astonishing. And I guess we could start, Luke, the Thursday game. You're up 3-1 to one entering the ninth, where the great Luis Sessa had a perfect eighth inning, Luke. Five pitches thrown totally. They go in for Chad Green, who kind of gets, you know, hit a little bit. Two earned runs allowed. And then Brooks Kriske, your favorite player on the Yankees, Luke, throws four wild pitches in the 10th inning and basically just hands the Red Sox a win. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but what, hadn't Chad Green pitched like a bunch leading up to that game? Yeah, because of the, the lack of trust in our oldest Chapman. Chad Green's been pitching a lot. So, yeah, that Do was – Do you know if it was three was straight? First, I don't think it was three straight because the Yankees don't do that. That's so, it would have probably been like three of four, three or, four. or something like that. It, yeah, I'd have to look. They do. A, they have a really nice graphic on yes. Whenever they they bring in a reliever, it shows like who pitched when, how many pitches. But I don't think it was three days in a row because the Yankees don't do that. But it really, that really was the kickoff to the weekend. And and as a whole, I mean, the Yankees should have won three out of four games this weekend. Like it, it's as simple as that. And I kind of tweeted about it in a joking manner, saying like the Yankees have had fifteen of these losses, but it's legitimately been like five. Like where it's like, how do you lose this game? Like how is it is it possible that you lose this game? And it started on Thursday night where it's like. Why is Luis Sessa just not pitching the ninth inning? Like, I understand, you know, you want to give your closers a fresh inning or whatever. But like you said, Chad Green has been used a, a ton this season in general. And Luis Sessa only threw five pitches. He looks really good. And Luis Sessa is a guy that kind of was a, 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 doorstop, a, a doorstop, if you will, for Yankees fans or a doormat uh, a few years ago, a punching bag. But he's been really solid these last two years. He's become a really solid reliever, ERA under three this year. Like, he could have easily pitched the last inning won that game, you know, he's already in a rhythm, but instead they go to Chad Green, which whatever, but you have to know in the back of your mind, and, and you can't think this way, I guess, if you're Aaron Boom, but if Chad Green blows that game like he did, there's nothing left because they refuse to go to a role this Chapman three days in a row, and then you're throwing out Brooks Kriske, a guy that really shouldn't even be on this roster. So it just puts them in such a bad position, and, and they waste a really nice start from Jordan Montgomery, a guy just cannot get any run support. That was the first time the Yankees had scored a run in his past five starts uh, with him on the mound. So... It's just been really tough. And and honestly, I can't even blame the offense for the weekend because it really was, I guess, a combination of decision-making and, and the bullpen just not stepping up. Do you blame Boone? Because, like, you look at putting Chad Green there, and, like, he should have closed out that game. But, like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, he should have closed it out. But in yeah. my mind, like, Sessa could have easily wrapped that up with a two-run lead. So it, it's almost like catch-22 yeah. where, you know, yes, Chad Green should have executed – but she, should he have been put in that position to have to play, given how much he's pitched, you know, the last week, maybe it's not three straight, but he could have pitched. He might have pitched, you know, more than anybody coming out of the All-Star break with the way that uh, Chapman's been performing. Yeah, and with, you know, Britton coming back from injury, Wilson coming back from injury, Loisio coming back from the COVID list, like they didn't have a ton of arms. I don't, it's tough for that game. I would have kept Sessa in personally, but also, well, actually, no, I won't even say it's hindsight because even watching that game, I was like, oh, Sussex can just pitch the ninth. It'll be good. So it's not even hindsight. That definitely was a mistake. But I think Sunday was the, the more poorly managed game out of the two. Right. And, and Sunday, there was a, a literal no hitter through seven for Diego Herman. He allows one hit, gets yanked on a 93 pitch count, which is fairly understandable, right? Boone came out and said it after the game. He wanted to take him out after 80 pitches, but obviously gave him the nod with the no hitter. And he goes right to John and Loisaga. And Luke, you say that the way that Boone managed that game was the bigger indictment on, on I guess, the way he's managed his entire career. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I think the, the question of Herman pulling him, I think, is an interesting one. He was at 93 pitches. You know, he was only in because he was throwing a no-hitter. Like, the Yankees had, had guys warming up the previous inning. It was just like, well, if you left him a hit, we'll be ready to go. I'm kind of okay with that decision because when you look at – Herman, he's been used extremely he's been used really weirdly after the all-star break you know he had uh he came out of the bullpen for two games then he started two games his pitch count was 75 for the previous game I'm assuming he probably was only going to throw 80 to 85 but he throws the no hitter so he goes to 93 so you go to Loisga that's fine that to me I mean that's that's tough I mean Loisga comes in up four runs you know he's coming back from COVID but you, you expect him to be able to get through that inning but 
I mean, he just got, got absolutely shelled. And the three batter minimum doesn't help because you could tell, you know, on the first two guys, like, this is going to get rough. But the one decision I think that looms over all this is second and third. The Yankees lead four to three with one out. And they play the infield back. They allow the time run to score on a ground ball to short. And that was the play where I was like, what, what is going on here? Like, it really felt like Boone was managing, you know, not to lose instead of to win. I get it. If the infield's in and there's a hard single, that could take the lead. But by playing the runners back, you're telling the batter, all you have to do is put the ball in play and this game's tied. And that's exactly what happened. And, and that's a tough break for this team. But I guess you also look at and you consider the way uh, – I'm calling lasagna – Loisigo is was pitching. That's, uh, you call him that nickname. Lasagna. I I've been saying that to myself this entire day, prepare like you know, writing down the notes and stuff, Luke. And it just I don't like it. I don't know. But for, you don't like Johnny Lasagna? It, 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 I, I guess not. I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot. Of sense. No, it doesn't. Italian, but for for Loisigo, I guess yeah. the the theory in in the in that moment was he doesn't have it. He's gonna give up a hit. So rather than trying to hope that it's you know, softer contact. They expect, I guess, a heavier contact. But at that point, he'd already faced, what, four, three batters at that point, I believe, right? So he, they, you could have made that yeah, move a lot four. sooner. And if you know, Luke, if, if your untrained eye and never playing college ball, never playing in the pros, saw, hey, look, he doesn't have it after it two batters, then I don't know what took Boone and, and the staff so long to get Britain in there. And, and you know, that's something that I'm sure they wanted to try to, you know, let Loisga just work out of it. But at some point, you have to make that that move sooner before he ends up giving up, you know, four runs. Because that's hard to come back from, especially the way this team's been hitting. You know, they've given you a couple runs here and there, but they don't have judge. They don't have a full-strength lineup, and that's what makes it so tough to, to lose these games. When you had big leads heading into the final innings, and what was supposed to be your strongest, you know, your strongest area of, of you know, your strongest positional group, at the start of the season, your bullpen just let you down twice. And it's been multiple times this season, Luke, that we've talked about. And if you look at their standings, you change those five losses into wins. Or even if you want to take four of them or three of them, you're right there. You know, maybe a game back of Oakland. You're ahead of Seattle for the wild card race. And it's just such a bad look for this team to keep blowing these leads when, when realistically – you just shouldn't be losing these games. You know, you, you need that bullpen to be stronger for you. And right now, they're to the point, Luke, where they need arms so desperately. They're going out there and trading a nice young piece in um, Hoy Park for a career 4-7-1 ERA guy from, in Clay Holmes. I mean, that's how bad it's been. They just need bodies to start throwing. Luke, in a week or two, you might hear a call from the Yankees. That's right. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I think, first of all, the – the big theme of the Yankees, they're just, they're so inconsistent. They're so frustrating. I mean, they're brutal to watch this entire weekend. You look at the series, they could have taken, you know, three of four, but they also could have lost all four because on Saturday they would have lost that game if they didn't put up four runs in the eighth. So they were in a position there to lose that game as well. And then the Red Sox turn it around on them the next day. I get on Friday night or yeah, Friday night. I, I, I gave up on the division. I, I was over with it. It's, it's wild card at this point. They're not, they're not going to come back in the division. I mean, we can say, you know, if they do this, if they do that, but it, it's not going to happen. The Red Sox are a much better team. The Rays are a much better team. Honestly, Toronto looks like they might be a better team at this point. So to me, it's, it's all about the wild card, which they are definitely within striking distance. As for the Clay Holmes trade, Matt. I might be a little on board. I might, I might be uh, a little on board. Really? You got you to look into the numbers. A four you gotta, seven you one ERA. You got to take a little deeper dive. That's right. But those are that's, very, that's a very inflated number um, because he had a few really bad outings. Because Matt, let me tell you something. Right oh, that here. was the career averages. Uh, I'm sorry, that wasn't just this season. This season, it's a four well, nine three. This year, he's like a four something. Too. Four nine three. Like, yeah. 40 of his 44 outings this year have been one run or less. So it, it really was four really bad outings. He's really good against righties. 178 batting average against and a 133 ERA against righties this year. I was watching a video, 99 mile per hour sinker. I'm all in. The big problem, though, is he walks a lot of guys. So I'm not saying this was a great trade, but I'm saying there is potential. And Hoy Park has become this guy that Yankees fans are really enamored with. Uh, he's, he's fun. He's likable. But to me, he is really a triple-A bat. Like, I don't see him making a major league roster. I mean, the Pirates, sure. But he was a guy that the Yankees offered up in the Rule 5 draft two, two years in a row, and no one picked him up. So I don't think he's really an MLB guy. 
We'll find out, but I don't think it's the worst thing to ever. I think happen. he was also hitting like one and change in in either single A or double A earlier this year. But because of all these yeah. injuries, he had a great triple A year. Hmm? Yeah, he had a great he had a great triple A year this year. But I think what people don't realize is triple A. A lot of the pitching is just fringe MLB relievers, and then like thirty five year olds that are still trying to play. Like it's not exactly the greatest sample size of pitchers. Well, no, it's it's minor leagues, right? You're not gonna face. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, you're, you're facing honestly, Carlos Carrasco, who's a nice I'm, piece, you know, those, those rehab stints yeah. when the guy is, is literally just messing around trying to figure out what he can do. Yeah, well, basically, what I'm saying is when you look at top prospects for teams, a lot of them, because they're so young, are still in double A. Like the Mets, the triple A, and Syracuse Mets are a bad example because they're, they're extremely bad, but like all their pitchers are like 28 years old or older. Like they're not young guys, like up and coming. You tell me Jordan Yamamoto is not to... a great pitcher? <laughs> That's true. That's a great counterpoint right there. No, I, but I yeah, do see that, what you're that's saying, saying, though. When you have AAA, a lot of them is just like, oh, who's that guy that's playing in, in uh for Israel in the Olympics? He was a former oh, Met. Uh, Ty Kelly. His name Kelly. Yeah. Ty Kelly. It's yeah. a lot like those guys. You know, Jerry Blevins at one point, I think, was playing for the Syracuse Mets yeah. or was supposed to this year. And I do agree with you, Luke. It's a lot of those guys that, you know, aren't the top prospects because the top prospects are either too young, like you said, or they're already in the show. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of, but again, it, it, you can still take it. But I mean, when you look at these guys, they're, yeah, they're kind of in that mix. So I don't hate the move, but who would have thought, Matt, that we'd be talking at the trade deadline about the Yankees needing relievers? Like that seemed like the one spot they were going to be okay. And now it's like, wait, we have a million holes. Like we don't have a left-handed outfielder. We're not sure about the, you know, what we're going to do at shortstop or, or really the infield in general. The starters could use a little bit of a bump if if Severino and Kluber aren't able to come back soon. And now the, the, rota- uh, the bullpen, and you look at where they are in the standing, it's like, is it even worth it to trade assets right now for these guys? And a lot of people are, are saying no, and a lot of people think that that's the way the Yankees are thinking right now. I do want to give the, the bullpen some slack. You're coming off a season in which you had to, you know, in, in which there were 60 games last year. Now you're at 162. Pitchers aren't used to throwing that many mornings to cover. And early in this season, Luke, I would say. 80% of the starts or 80% of the games in the, that first 30, 40 game span, it felt like the, the relievers were pitching more than the starters were, right? I mean, how often oh, yeah. was, Montgom- was Montgomery going more than four or five innings? Hardly. Was Kluber no. early on, right? Tyone was hardly pitching at, you know, four innings. So I, I wonder yeah. how much the amount of innings they've had to pitch has really taxed his bullpen rather than they forgot how to pitch. Because, you know, no, Britain's yeah. better than this. Loisic is better than this. You know, these guys, Chapman is much better than what he's been doing lately. No, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that's a great point. I mean, you look at now, Tyone's going a little bit deeper. But even Garrett Cole, like, he only went six innings uh, on Friday night. And he, had, he was already at 105 pitches. Like, that's unexpected, too. So, it definitely is very a very taxed bullpen. But, so, I guess that falls on the starters as well. But I just don't know if it's worth it to make a move at this point. Right? I don't think it is. And and I've been saying this for like the last week or two of show, really like the last month of shows, Luke. If I'm the Yankees, I'm not buying because I don't want to go over that threshold. And I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know how they're getting money off the books back onto it. But if they go over the luxury tax, I think I'm the only one that's been saying this. I would be furious because if you're going over it now, why couldn't you go over it in May when you could have gotten yeah. a Taiwan Walker? or bring back Masahiro Tanaka, or bring in actual pieces that are that were good. I mean, you could have saved the season by bringing in Trevor Story, who they've just made an offer for in in May, right? Go out and sign him. Go out and trade Glaber Torres if you have to for a guy that's, yes, older and doesn't have much cost certainty, but is, is for the most part, a much better player. Like, go out there and, and make these moves. And now there's reports, Luke, that we talked about before the show, that the Yankees offered some sort of offer for Trevor Story who's on the last year of his contract. And I sit here and say, where are you getting that money from? Where are you losing the money to now acquire a guy that was what making, I would say, I assume 10 million bucks. I'm going to look it up, but I assume he's not making, you know, 5 million. Yeah. No, probably less. Well, for the year, for the half of the Yankees, you have to pay him. I guess the half, right? I mean, I assume he's, he's I'm going to guess he's guy, making right? like, yeah, I guess like 10, whatever, whatever he signed in ARB was probably 10 right. to 15. Somewhere he signed a two-year, $27 million contract is the last number okay, I so have. 13. So they'd have to pick up like six and six. a half. Right? And they don't have the money for that. Which would put them over. Yeah, and I agree with you. And also the point on that is, are you really going to go over just to 
maybe make a wild card. Like, is it worth doing that? Trevor Story is going to be a free agent next year. If you're so set on, like you said, actually spending money, then you do it in the offseason. Because like you said, a guy like Masahiro Tanaka was the perfect candidate to bring back, you know, on a one-year deal or something like that. And they let him walk, and they went cheaper. They got Kluber. They got Tyone, guys that had injury histories. Tanaka, a guy that only wanted to play for the Yankees, and literally went back to Japan because he only wanted to play for the Yankees. So that that was the the moment for me. I was like, okay, they're serious. They don't want to go over the threshold, which is fine. Save your draft pick, save your international money, but don't blow over it now. Yeah, and and you have to imagine. I wonder if he ever comes back. I guess not. If, if I'm Tanaka, I'd be pretty chapped. I don't think I'd go back. He's got it. You know how mad I would be to sit there and be like, I gave you guys four of the best years of my life. I'm willing to come back on a on a, on a one year, ten million dollar contract for a really good three and a, probably, I would say, an average number two pitcher at this point. And who's their number two now? Yeah, Montgomery? Herman? Yeah. They don't have a number two. They've got a bunch of four, three, four, and fives, you know, behind Garrett Cole, who, who's had a really weird season, right? He started off at some point pretty good. There was that couple – it didn't feel like he was peak Garrett Cole early this year. And then with the sticky stuff thing, just gets blown out for a couple starts right after that comes out. So you don't really have a, a reliable yeah. pitcher like a Tanaka that can give you six innings of one-run ball. I mean, wouldn't you sign up for that right now every five days to get something like that out of a guy like Tanaka? Yeah, he was the most consistent pitcher they had over the over the, the course of those four or five years with the Yankees. Like, you knew, yeah, he'll up a solo homer here and there, but he'll give you six, seven innings of, of one two-run ball every, every time he takes the ball. And really well-liked, really well-loved guy in the locker room. All his teammates loved having him around. So, yeah, that, that was a... Definitely a, a big blow for the Yankees. I mean, they traded out of Vino to the Red Sox. He, he's having a great year. They protected Brooks Krisky and Nick Nelson and let Whitlock walk, which the Red Sox picked him up. He's having a great year. So, yeah, if you're going to pinch pennies in, in April, then you better still pinch them in July when you're, you know, nine, ten, eight, nine games out of the AL East. And it's still a handful of games out of the wild card. Yeah, certainly. And, look, let's just go to the Mets really quickly. I know we've got a, a fully loaded odd man rush coming up in a couple minutes at the oh. top of the hour. And it's a good thing that we went long on those Yankees because there's there's just not much to talk about with these Mets, Luke. You know, there's they're exciting. They're still in first place by a couple games, but this series against the Braves is so critical. It's a team that's 49 and 50 going into it, and and frankly, it's a team that you can put to bed right now. They lose game one of the doubleheader. Currently, it's tied 0-0 in the bottom of the third. If the Mets can take these next four games, the Braves aren't making the playoffs because that puts you at what is it five games under 500. With the injuries they have and the the issues they have on their roster, you know, no Soroka, no Ozuna, you're not coming back from that from five games under. Yeah, no, no Acuna as well. Um, I think when I look at this Mets team and why it's like, oh, there's nothing to talk about, it's because this division just didn't really live up live up to the potential. Like the Nationals are pretty bad; they might trade Scherzer. The Braves have all those losses, like you said, um, and the Phillies bullpen is is well, the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So, like, the Mets are going to run away with the division. So, really, it's just going to be kind of the dog days of just waiting to see what happens in the playoffs, which will be exciting. And we'll get to see, you know, Syndergaard come back and Carrasco come back. But for now, they're not really even in – it doesn't even feel like they're in a divisional race. I mean, yeah, it's only three and a half games on Philly, but I think they're far and away better. So, the real story kind of turns to, you know, what do they do at the deadline? You know, the concern over Jacob deGrom, he's going to make a rehab start. But, I mean – all this up and down and IL and no IL and, and what's going on on the right side of his body has to be concerned because if you go to the playoffs and you don't have Jacob deGrom, I don't, I don't know if I can even call them a World Series contender because, yes, they still have the rotation, but Taiwan Walker has been brutal since the All-Star break. We don't know what Thor is going to be. We don't know what Carrasco is going to be. So he's an important piece. Francesco Lindor, again, having a rough year, but you have to expect he's going to figure it out at some point, and he kind of was. So those are really important pieces the Mets don't have right now. Luke, uh, Mikey P chimes in his, I guess his five playoff teams from the, from the NL, the Giants, Brewers, Mets, Padres, and Dodgers. Seems about right. It doesn't seem like yeah. there's, it feels like both leagues, there's not much juice in the wild card race right now. You know, you had the Cubs that were playing pretty well for a good stretch of the season, then kind of fell off. You had teams, you know, like most of the NL East, just trying to scratch and claw or really the Mets just losing games that they couldn't, that they should have won, you know, in order to get leaps and bounds ahead of the, the competition. But it doesn't feel like there's much juice or much of a race anymore. And one thing that sort of leads that to is obviously these, these trades at the deadline. And right now the Mets, according to bet online 
are the odds-on favorite to add Scherzer at three to one. And Luke, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. I still can't get it through my head no. why a team would trade their best pitcher, their like career. They, like when you think of Scherzer, you think of the Nationals to some extent. You know, he obviously was in Detroit for a little bit, but like their marquee piece to, yes. to help their division rival win a championship. When you can send him to the Dodgers, who have a clear need with Kershaw on the injured list and you know Trevor Bauer facing some issues, when with the Brewers locking up and getting ready to go, with the Yankees right there behind at nine and two, I don't see the Yankees trading from either. But how are you sending him to the to the Mets? I'd rather keep him and get nothing than send him to my division rival. Yeah, and I know Mike Rizzo has said he doesn't mind trading in division, but it, it would feel so weird to me. And like you said, I mean Max Scherzer is the best player in Nationals history. I mean, I guess Bryce Harper is up there, but he's I think he's had the the more success. He has a World Series. You know, guys like Zimmerman, Strasburg have been there forever, but he really is the Nationals. And to think that they would just trade him away to the Mets seems like crazy. I mean, I guess if they offer him, you know, if they offer them a, a King's ransom for him, maybe well, what you do the take Mets it, even have? There's he's not a, much in that in that prospect pipeline anymore. Well, they've got a few. They've got a few really, really nice guys at the at the younger levels right now. They have Alvarez. He's a catcher. I think he's uh, like a top twenty, top twenty five guy. Uh, they've got Mauricio, but I don't think they'd move him. So uh, yeah, I mean they have a couple of guys, Beatty as well. Those are really big names for the Mets. But it's tough because yeah, like you said, I I couldn't see that happening. Um, I I don't really know why the Mets are the favorite. I guess just because they think that the Mets are the most willing to give up a lot and then give them a contract, but. You know, when this team was was purchased by Steve Cohen, he said they're not just going to blow up the minor league system. Like, they want to build that up as well. So it's like, do you really empty the farm for Scherzer? I mean, you have to know that he's going to re-sign there if you do that. But it still seems like it's impossible to happen. It, it certainly is. It's it's so odd. I still don't really understand it. Um, guys, I think are more likely, Luke, is, you know, those Cubs guys, right? I've heard a lot of links. I think it was Buster only that said Javi Baez would be a great fit with the Lindor injury. With the way you can play throughout that was a the while. infield, that was, that was a couple weeks ago. Yes, and it seems more like it'd be an Anthony Rizzo or Chris Bryant type, and I think Bryant would be a great fit yeah. because you look at the the way the, the their field is constructed, and you know JD Davis isn't necessarily a great fielder. He's a solid hitter, but to bring in Chris Bryant, who's a bona fide star at the position, whether you give him an extension or not, you know I don't necessarily see them giving him an extension with Conforto, you know, coming up after this season, things like that. That's a nice piece to have bring Davis to the outfield, you know, platoon him around. And also, you're going to be without Lindor for another three, four weeks. So to have a guy like Bryant, maybe he can play short for you in, in you know, in this time span would be a really nice piece to add for this team that, you know, frankly, they don't need a lot, but there's a, they're a very steady average team. You know, and if you want to get above average, maybe you bring in Chris Bryant, maybe bring in, you know, I don't think another starters in, the, in, the, uh, in their works just because you bring in, you know, Rich Hill. You know, another bullpen guy would be great. But there's a lot of pieces they can work with and get that's going to make this team that much better. Yeah, and no, not to mention Chris Bryant literally plays everywhere. Like, he's played, he's played, I think, the most games in the outfield this year, actually, even though he's a great third baseman. He's played first base. So he's a really versatile piece for a defense that has a lot of holes right now or really has a lot of holes all the time because their defense isn't that great. So it, it's nice to have that piece. I think Rizzo's – uh Rizzo's in, uh, we didn't even talk about Rizzo but he obviously probably won't go to the Mets because they already have a million first basemen but I'm just hoping Rizzo doesn't go to the Red Sox but um yeah I think Bryant would be a nice addition um and the really the thing is Matt like maybe Bryant and obviously Scherzer but it's like none of these moves are going to put the Mets I think onto a, another level that they're on right now like I still think right now I still think the Dodgers are better I still think the Padres are better the Giants honestly are probably better and then you know, Milwaukee's got the best, probably not not the best, but the top three rotation. The Mets' offense is a little bit better, but you know, I don't think they're by any means a, a legit legit championship contender. Like I could see them going on a run, of course, but I don't know if any of these pieces really sway me in any way to be like, okay, now they're they're really ready for that championship. Like to me, it's like they're a good team in a bad division that I could see making a little run in the playoffs, but I still don't view them as a championship caliber. I could see them winning the championship though, because they have all the pieces. And this is the one thing with baseball, Luke, and and you'll kind of agree in the sense that you only need three really good starters come playoff time. And they've got that, right? They've got DeGrom. You've got potentially something in Syndergaard. Tyon Walker, you hope figures it out. If not, you've got, you know, DeGrom, Stroman, and Carrasco. 
right? So that third slot could be three guys. And then the rest of them you bring to the bullpen. And I think Carrasco would fit really well in that bullpen, being a more veteran arm that kind of knows how to pitch. Same with Rich Hill, for example, a guy that can knows how to pitch. And to me, the, the bats just have to get going at some point, right? You have to expect Lindor to hit. If not, then oh well. Like, if, if all these guys play to their averages or to their means, I expect this team to make a run because their bullpen is, is going to need some work. I think you could bring an arm or two in there. But I don't think you can throw out another three starters that will outduel the Mets' starting rotation in the playoffs. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, I guess I still I still like Milwaukee, I think, a little bit better. Um, the Dodgers without Bauer, probably not. I don't know. The lineup, to me, has just been so, you know, below what we expected. And I guess that's maybe a good sign because they should come up. But, like, the offense is brutal. Like, even fully healthy. It's like, okay, when they get fully healthy. McNeil hasn't been good. You know, Alonzo's been really good lately. You know, Conforto hasn't been great. McNeil, I already mentioned McNeil, but uh, Nimmo's not exactly a great bat. Uh, J.D. Davis has played a little bit below expectations. So, to me, this is an offense that has to figure it out in order for me to really claim them a championship contender. Like, every single Mets game this year feels like it's 2-1, to 3-2, to two, which is a good sign their bullpen is pitching well. Their starters look good, like you said. And pitching is, I think, more important. We've seen it with the Yankees. The offense can go quiet when it's met with really good starting pitching and bullpen pitching like the Rays have, you know, I can see the Mets, like you said, they have a million arms. They'll cover innings. They'll be fine. But the bats need to step it up before I really put them in that level with, you know, the Padres and the Dodgers. And I think that that month of September in late August is going to be so important for this team because, you know, with the way that the teams around them have been playing, we expect the Mets to win their division outright. Like it's not, you know, could they lose it? Certainly it'd be very unfortunate. It'd be a really big downturn but the way the other teams have been so poor around them you expect them to make it so what that means is the final three weeks of the season it's time to get everybody right get them healthy and get them fully engaged and in gear because it feels like every single game this season Luke it seems like they've had a key injury whether it's JD Davis whether it's McNeil now Lindor Conforto Nimmo they haven't been ground about five times (laughs) well even in the lineup for example when a lineup's at its best, obviously, when everyone's healthy and you got, you're got you in your set roles. But for the entire season, they haven't been able to just do their job. They've had to do a lot more. You know, pick up the weight when Lindor has been struggling. You know, pick up the weight when Conforto is injured. So if they can finally get everyone back together, I really think that that momentum that they can carry and that continuity will be really helpful for this team. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to need is, is consistency. But again, they're in a great spot. They're in first place. They've got a lot of time to figure it out knowing that they're going to win the NL East. So that gives them a huge advantage, I think. Now, Luke, more importantly than the Mets, the glorious Luke Owens-led odd man rush. And it starts right now. That's right. That's right. It does. We've got a big odd man rush today that will we'll last 15 minutes. We'll do a couple more stories that'll feel like odd man rush, but it won't be. But we'll start with some NFL news. Deshaun Watson. Uh, the Texans quarterback, remember him? We talked about him a lot uh, a few months ago. He's going to report to training camp. Uh, this is in order to avoid a $50,000 fine, which will occur for every single day he misses. That's another fifty grand out of his pocket. Um, but nothing has changed between the two teams, Watson, or the two sides, I should say. Watson wants out. Houston wants to trade him. But reportedly, Matt, Houston's still looking for you know the biggest uh, deal they can get. So Watson coming to training camp. We'll see if he has to face the media and stuff like that, but um, definitely weird to, to even see him coming back. It'll be really interesting to see, you know, how he responds to it because from right now, from what I've gathered, he's always said – he's always been not denying what's happened, right? So that's kind of yeah. interesting to see how he'll have to approach the media and how they'll approach him. But more importantly with the Texans, I think you have to punt on this trade. You know, wait a year or so. Wait until you figure out what happens because if he's – proved innocent or whatever you want to call it maybe you can make that trade where you get three first round picks and a handful of prospects but right now you you know who's acquiring watson with this much risk associated with it let alone whether or not you even want him on your team given what he's been you know alleged to do that's what i was going to say it's like whoever trades for him is trading for a guy that's under a pretty hefty investigation with a lot of sources that seem like they, they seem pretty legit. Obviously, we don't really – I'm not going to speculate too much, but, like, why risk trading for him knowing that something could happen and then giving up a ton of assets on top of that, like, and getting a guy that probably is, is not a great guy based on what's going on right now. So it's like, 
why would you even risk that if you're on the other team? And I think I read, Luke, there was – today there was 10 more women that came out and are pressing yep. charge, criminal charges with them, not just criminal, civil, yep. but now it's criminal, which is a whole nother, you know, ordeal to, to work through. Can of worms. Yeah. That, that just opened up. And, you know, now it might be jail time. You know, before with a, with a civil suit, it's, it's not in jail, but when it turns criminal and goes to the courts, you could see him going to prison or – having to deal with the court system, which is another could be another months before that trial even comes out. So it's going to be really odd. And it'll be odd to see if, if the NFL even lets him play or if they don't just put him on the, uh, the commissioner's list. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my big thing. And I think a lot of people online were like, wait, he's not like on like a leave of some kind. And I guess it's just because they don't feel like they have enough. I, I don't know how that, I don't know how that works for the NFL. Cause I mean, we've seen the MLB Trevor Bauer's been on leave for a while. I mean, he's getting paid, but he's not allowed right. to show but up. Wasn't Adrian Peterson but, when he, when he had hit his son, wasn't he on leave for a while or like, yeah, he was, or wasn't, um, yeah. there's another one too. I think Josh Gordon for a completely different situation, but wasn't he on the list as well? I think Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt was on the list for a while. He might've just got suspended actually outright. Um, obviously Ray Rice was basically kicked out of the league, but that was a little bit more cut and dry because you mm-hmm. saw exactly yeah. what happened. So it, it's a weird situation, but like if I'm, you know, I know the Eagles are one team that have been like heavily linked. It's like, do you really want to give up first round picks and, and whatever, some young pieces to get this guy? And like, I, I don't know if, if it's me, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable about making a deal for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. I, right now it's really dicey, you know, whether or not he deserves a second chance. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if he, sh- if he, gets traded or plays. But the one thing I'll say, Luke, which is, you know, adjacent to this topic is it's really frustrating to see, you know, Kareem Hunt get a second chance, but with another team, right? Like you typically see guys get cut and then another team picks them up and it's perfectly fine. And it's, it's unfortunate because you have people that, you know, that draft them or things like that. And now they have to wipe their hands of it. And now the PR hit is minimal with some of these teams. So I wish there was some sort of, you know, suspend them for a year and let them come back or kick them out of the league entirely. Like what happened with Ray Rice is, is something I would have rather seen, I guess. Well, do you mean like the chiefs should have had to like keep him or what, what mean, do you mean? Like, like if a team, the chiefs were forced to cut him basically. Yeah. But now the Browns <laughs> and another team got to reap right. the benefits. So it's like, why can't yeah. the chiefs just keep okay. him if other teams are going to sign him? You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. It's kind yeah. of a, it's a I mean, weird it's double optic, standard, really. Yeah, but it, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a horrible right. double double yeah. standard. It's, it's a bit hypocritical, you know. Whether or not he deserves to be in the league, that's not my point. My point is, if he should be in the league, still he should stay with the team that, that was with him because why should they lose out on a good player and someone else can get one? You know, I don't know. It's it's yeah, and then it's you've odd. seen teams. Oh, I'm trying to think of an example. I can't. I'm an idiot. I feel like there's been a team that's like held on. Oh, on with the Yankees. There we go. The Yankees with Domingo Herman. Which and they haven't even really yeah. seen all that much blowback in the last couple of months. I think people really forgot. Like I saw a lot of people uh, the other day uh, when Herman was throwing the no hitter. A lot of people were like, "Oh, Domingo Herman's the man." But I felt really like I was kind of relieved when the Red Sox got hit. Like I was like, I don't feel like comfortable like celebrating all over because the Yankees just threw another no hitter and it was Domingo Herman. Like I was, I felt like I was in a really weird spot. It would have Well, I guess there's a certain extent that you can be happy. Maybe like, like the, the Astros GM with Ozuna, right? Yeah. Right. The pitcher, the reliever. Yeah. Ozuna. Yeah. Got it. When, when, when he freaked out over the, the to the female reporter, like that, that's too far. That's a little too much for celebration. Yeah. But if you want to like pump your fist and, and be happy, you know, I wasn't. I was. I wasn't watching them to begin with. It's like I was fine if he if he didn't get it or not. But it is certainly weird. It's like, how do you root for a guy that's just a, a blatantly a bad dude? Yeah, exactly. And and we'll we'll stay in football. Uh, Michael Thomas, Saints wide receiver, is going to be out until at least week seven. He's been placed on the pup list. Uh, I love. I always love that name. Come uh, training is camp. He a, time. Is he a golden uh, retriever pup? What is he? He is. Yeah, he's a. Yeah, he is definitely a golden receiver. I would there say. it is. Uh, he he uh, he had surgery on his ankle back in June, which is at least a four month absence. However, he injured that ankle all the way back in week one. He only played seven games. The Saints told him to get surgery. He said, "I'm fine. I can play through it." But then he doesn't get surgery till June, and I cannot imagine that the Saints are too happy with this decision. I mean, it's weird because it's like, couldn't they have kind of I don't know forced him or, or something to do it? But Michael Thomas said he'd be fine. 
He didn't end up being fine, and now he's going to be out till week seven. That's rough. This, this Saints team, I would not be shocked if it's very, very bad. They're not helping whoever's going to be quarterback. I mean, you've got, what, Jameis Winston and the, the tight end? Taysom. Taysom Hill? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. And and their their cap situation too is not has not been great for the last several years now. So Drew Brees gets out. But they always right randomly fix it. Yeah, that's true. Um, also a hit to uh, fantasy teams everywhere, including no, not your team. You're not a Michael Thomas guy. I'm not no. As a as a great drafter, you stay away from Michael I, Thomas. I'd be fine with him. I again, I don't like this narrative that I'm a bit, that I'm just a good drafter because I got first overall. One, I didn't want first overall. This is this is me subtweeting Pat, who's not watching the show. But I want to yell yeah, about it. One, my first pick was Christian McCaffrey. I was without the, the – he's the only reason why you want the first overall pick. I didn't even want it. I lose him. Yeah. Now I have, the, I have the worst average draft position if you take him out of the configuration. And still, I bring in Justin, Justin Jefferson. Twice. I caught him, too, for somebody else. Yeah. I drafted Antonio Gibson, and then I caught him, and someone else picked him up. But that's fine. My team is I was, dynamic. I Oh, it was. I just like to mention yes. it whenever Speaking I can. Speaking of fantasy, I, I saw a great TikTok where they said you should let people trade their draft picks during the draft. I don't know if that's possible. During the draft? So, like, I have, like, the fifth overall pick, and you're at four, and you take the guy I want. And then I'm like, well, I don't want five. Let me trade back. And then someone takes it, and I slide down. And then you can do the same thing, like, the seventh round. I don't know if that's possible. I don't think you can do that. But it'd be very you fun. definitely can't do that on ESPN. You'd have to do, like, an in-person We should draft. do a Zoom in-person draft. But those are so annoying because I have to write down every single pick and then enter them into the I'll system after, which is just I'll – do, I'll do it for that's you. That's just brutal. I'll do it with you. No. All right. The only time I ever have done an in-person draft is like you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, you get the big draft board, and you put the player – that's fun. But like if we're doing it on Zoom, like no. I still think we should do a Zoom draft even if we're doing it over – No, I, I'm totally down to, to be on Zoom for the draft. I was just saying I don't want to do it like like a – Like a live draft. A manual yeah. draft. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll move on. Uh, USA Basketball falls to France – in their opening matchup, 83-76, to 25-game Olympic win streak snapped for the U.S. They were outscored 22-5, to the final 7.30 of the game, including 16-2 to the last three minutes and 50 seconds. KD, 4 of 12 from the floor. Damian Lillard struggled. Uh, 28 points from Evan Fournier for France. And Matt, I mean, we, we talked about it in the exhibitions, but it's kind of like, well, you know, whatever. But now the U.S. has to win their next two pool games in order to advance. I, I, first of all, how much do you really care that the U.S. lost to France? I think it's significant. I think it's it's so crazy because like people say, oh, don't sleep on the fact that these other teams got significant talent in a short amount of time, which I understand, right? Like, you know, a couple, you know, a decade or two ago, you probably didn't see a Rudy Gobert type on this France team, you know, or on the Nigeria team that had a couple of NBA, uh, NBA players in the exhibition. But let's not act like the U.S. isn't leaps and bounds better than every other country where you've got, at one point, five guys were, were all NBA team players. I mean, the only guy yeah. that aren't really good on this team is JaVale McGee, who is like a late addition. This, this guy, is this Kevin Johnson? I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, the dude on the Spurs. Yeah. And, then, and then Jeremy Grant. <laughs> I mean, this team should be so, yeah. doing so much better than they are. And and I don't know if it's because they haven't quite found a leader yet, you know, without LeBron, without Chris Paul, you know, that sort of era that seemed to carry the, the Olympics, you know, a new coach, you know, no more Coach K. But, I mean, Popovich is a great coach. I, I wonder if part of it, Luke, is that, you know, the most amount of minutes played was, was Drew Holiday with 28 and Dame Lillard with 28. I wonder if these guys are used to playing 35, 40 minutes a night, and now they're not doing that and they can't quite get into a rhythm. Yeah, and I think KD caught a lot of a lot of slack. Obviously, he's the, he's the longest tenured you know U.S. guy currently on this team. But I mean, no one really showed up for them. I mean, Jason Tatum was three of nine from the floor, one of five from three. Uh, Devin Booker was one of six from the floor with four points. Drew Holiday actually showed up after partying it up in Milwaukee, so good for him. But I mean, also the style of basketball is just a lot different overseas. They don't get the same calls. Uh, they have to space the floor a little bit better. It's not just an ISO game and and. A lot of international teams just straight up know how to do that, and the U.S. just doesn't. But to me, it's like if you had the best athletes, the best basketball players, they should be able to figure it out. Like if they don't win gold, I'll be I'll be pretty shocked. But I mean, you see guys like Luca. He came to the NBA, and he's like, it's easier to score here, and everyone laughed. But I mean, 
there's something about overseas basketball that just a little bit tougher, I guess. To me, like just hit your shots. Like this is and this is coming from someone that again yeah, like it's a basketball has not watched any of these games. I'm not going to watch the Olympics this year. I just I just not for well, me. It was at like six AM on Peacock. Yeah. Like no one's watching like, that. If I'm Kevin Durant, I'm just gonna shoot a shot over Timothy Luau Cabaret and hit it. Right? Like it, it it can't it can't be that difficult when some of these guys, maybe not on France. But on these other teams, I mean, they play Iran. They're so. Iran. They're two steps away from asking someone like me to play. <laughs> yeah, like they're. I don't think oh, Iran would really like you. I'm no, they would. They probably wouldn't let me play with you, right? <laughs> but someone with the athleticism that I have, or or don't have, I should say. Uh, more importantly, Luke. Yeah. Question for you: If you're yes, if you're Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, are you even playing in this Olympics? Or are you still partying? No. Oh, I'm not playing. There's no chance. Especially, there's no fans. You have to go through all this protocol. No, I'm staying in Milwaukee, man. Are you kidding me? I'd still be partying. Yeah, but but also, do you think they're going to get another shot to play at the Olympics? You know? That's true. Probably not. I mean, yeah, it's every four years. It, it, look, if it means a lot to them, like, sure. I don't think it. Olympic and basketball, does it mean that much? It means a lot, I think, to guys like Melo that didn't really have a chance to win NBA championships. Um, I always thought LeBron took it pretty seriously. He obviously needed a year off now. Um, but I heard uh, a lot of guys saying, like, a lot of guys just didn't want to do it this year because of, you mm-hmm. know, what's going on with COVID and stuff like that. So that's kind of – this team should still beat everyone. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. But I also heard, like, oh, we should only send 25 and unders because they're the only ones that truly that'd care. Be interesting. That'd be different, I though. I think it'd be cool – and sorry to cut you off, Luke – just because you have that time span now. You get, you know, maybe two Olympics, if you're lucky, to go out there and, and play. And once it's it, you're done. And, you know, you do, you do your two turns and then it's over. So you're trying really hard because you only have two attempts to do it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that would be that that could work, but I think the U.S. will be fine. They play Czech Republic and Iran, so they better figure it out. Oh, imagine if they they got to win both those games to advance to the medal round. So they sh- they should be okay. Um, couple more stories. Uh, I know we're getting a little short on time. Uh, take your time. Cleveland Indians are going to change their name to the uh, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, that's going to be begin next year. It's an homage to the Guardians of the Traffic statues that have been on either side of the Hope Memorial Bridge since 1932. Matt, what do you think about the new name? I think the the homage is awesome. The name's not for me. It's just not. I don't know. It's literally the same. They just changed like four letters. Like the DNs is still there, you know? That's a good point. At the end? That's a really good point. The name? Yeah. Yeah. No, when they wrote out the name and like the script, it's the same like lettering. And I was like, this is just no, it's the a same. Different they just style font, four letters. Or at least it's like a more metallic color scheme. Yeah, that's true. It's a little different. Did you see the one logo, the baseball with like the wings on it? Maybe the angels in the outfield type of yeah, logo. So. It's, just, it's I, not for me. It's fine. I think if you look around sports, though, there's a lot of really stupid names. We just accept them because they've Name been around since like the 1900s. Like, why? Why are they called the Utah Jazz? That makes no sense. Jazz music. There's no jazz in Utah, though. Like, what are the, like, the New, what New, are the New York Jazz? Like, it should be. Imagine if they're like, we're making a new team called the New York Metropolitans. You'd think that was so stupid. Like, it, it doesn't. I don't know. I, to me, like, there's a lot of names that's like, it's like whatever, you know, like the Buffalo Bills. What does that even mean? Like, what it's a is Bill? They, they, their logo, but their logo is a buffalo. So, like, what are they even doing? You're, that's a fair point. <laughs> like, that's a fair point. I don't know. I don't think it's like I think like 50 years from now, people will be like, oh yeah, it's the Guardians. Oh yeah, in 50 no years really won't matter. But for me right now to hear it, it just and I that's why I think I think Washington should keep Washington football team. I think it's so cool. Yeah. And I don't think it worked though for Cleveland baseball team. It makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I think that Washington seeing this has to be like, hey, let's just keep football. Yeah. Like, everyone likes the football yeah. team. But I don't know if the NFL will let them, you know, for marketing and stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. One story I do want to get to with hockey before I get into our last two football stories. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, the can Canadians drafted this guy's name. Uh, Logan Mayu. I think it's Mayu. I don't, I, I don't think it's – Mayu. Didn't you take French? So yeah, you that's why I said Mayu. Is that how you pronounce it? I, that's how I was. The L's throw me for a loop. Yeah. So uh, Logan Mayu or Mayu, whatever you want to say. Uh, the Canadians took him 31st overall, despite him asking not to be drafted. He was charged with distributing sexual photos without consent. He paid the fine in Sweden. Um, he wrote before the draft, being drafted in the NHL is an honor and a privilege that no one takes lightly. The NFL, the NHL draft should be one of the most exciting landmark moments in a player's career. 
And given the circumstances, I don't feel I have demonstrated strong enough maturity or character to earn that privilege in the draft. But uh, Montreal takes him. Matt, what is your take on Montreal taking him? It's so stupid. I mean, you, you know it's a problem when they had a press release ready to go like 15 seconds after they drafted him. Like, that's when yeah, you know you probably shouldn't have tough. taken him. And I understand, you know, it kind of goes back to the, the conversation we had about Kareem Hunt and saying, you know, why should the Canadians have to give up on the opportunity if people were considering drafting him with a second round pick? I think the, the reason you do that is because he just said, hey, I don't want to be drafted. So, like, there yeah. should be kind of some agreement or Gary Batman should come down and say, listen, don't draft this guy. Save him for next year. You know, and, and, and the idea is he's going to end up learning at some point. He'll go through mediation in throughout junior hockey. And when he comes on the other side of it, that's when I guess he, he deserves a career. But, you know, Luke, you said before the show, and we, and we kind of talked about this, you know, over Xbox a couple of days ago. Does this lead to someone never having a career? Like, do, does someone deserve to get blackballed for a truly atrocious thing that he did? It was, he he distributed a sexual photo without consent. I, I think she was 18. He was 18 as well. Um, but should, should you never have that your career because you're, you're, you want to be a celebrity? Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's very, and I don't know the answer to it. I, I don't think it's the right move to draft yeah. him now. I think you give him some time, but it is really weird when I would say 99.9% of the Twitter sphere was against this this move, and that's very rare to see. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of very mad people, and I, I I'm sorry. Like what he did was terrible, obviously, but to me that shouldn't be the end of the career. Like I'm sorry, but like beating a woman is a hundred times worse. You know the things that we've seen with Deshaun Watson. Obviously, those aren't are exactly proven yet, and this was was pretty explicitly proven. But I don't know. To me, it's like I think the drafting part. Could definitely be a bad optic, especially because they took him yeah. earlier. Like it's not like they took a flyer on him. Late. I think like they went out and really were like, "Well, let me just finish yeah. this quickly." Like it felt like they were like, "Oh, well, no, you know, if we take him here, like no one can take him later. Like this is who we want. Like we know no one else is gonna want him." It, it just kind of felt like a weird. Move. I I just think every team should have punted on this year, let him do his thing, yeah. and look like this could have been a move. This this charge could have, you know eventually led him to him leaving hockey in a year but for him to get you know let him work his way back in and deserve the right to be in hockey you know this comes a week or two after a you know the nhl who who promotes hockey is for everybody you know just donated i think 100 grand to lgbtq plus charities for um the predators prospect that's the first openly gay player to be on an nhl deal like this you know, and it's obviously, they're not the same thing, but the idea of hockey is for everybody. Well, you just disenfranchised a large portion of your audience being women by le- allowing this guy to be drafted. And I think that's what's so tough is right now, he shouldn't have been drafted. Next year, I, I don't know the answer to it. You know, I, I kind of side with you, Luke, saying that, you know, I, I don't know how the second chance to me are so odd. And I, I think he, I think everyone to some extent within reason should have the opportunity to prove themselves to deserve a second chance. But right now he hasn't proved himself that he deserves this. Right. And he even said it, he said, I don't deserve the right to be drafted, but if he works on himself, then he does. Yeah. No, I agree. But I I will say like, it seems like he's at least looks like he could be on the right path. Like it's not like these other guys that don't really, Mm -hmm. you know, issue true apologies. So he, he did that. And I don't know, you know, maybe that's, an agent or someone be like, Hey, you should do this. But either way it was released, but I agree with you. It's like, let's just wait a year on this guy. Like, why do we have to do it now? You know, why can't we just wait and see what happens? Yeah. hundred percent agree. So last six minutes, Matt, do, do you want it back or do you want, why don't you, why don't you take cool. us through the Texas, Oklahoma thing? And why don't we go Aaron Rodgers first or no, let's go Texas, Oklahoma first. And then we'll end with a little bit more Aaron Rodgers. All right, sounds good. So this is just a, a super long odd man. Yeah, it's a nice so, a half thank hour. You, Matt, for allowing me to. Well, yes, when you cancel the show, when you cancel the show Wednesday to go right. frolic around in a field, 
you know. That's right. I mean, that's exactly what I'll be doing. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, Texas. Did you say Texas, Oklahoma first? You got me. All, yeah. You got me in a pretzel. Let's do that briefly. So Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma. We talked about the other day. They're nearing a Big t- uh, 12 exit in 2025. They released a joint statement saying they will not return to the conference and renew their contract. The statement does not directly say they're going to the SEC, but it's pretty heavily implied. They'll have to buy out their media contracts between 80 and $100 million. And Matt, this is going to be a huge shakeup for the college world. I mean, it's already a world that really didn't care about conferences and rivalries. We've seen so many teams moving all around. It's all about the money with the NCAA. At least the players maybe will get a little bit of a, a, a taste of that at this point. But this is huge. I mean, you have two huge brands going to an already the biggest conference in college football. Now there's probably only going to be four power conferences, and none of them measure up to the SEC. So this is going to be kind of interesting to see how you know things shape up now. And I think the one of the original reports or comments or thoughts was the Big Twelve would just cease to exist, dead, yeah, just gone. And at, at that point, if these teams leave, there'll be eight teams left. And you know, I, I think I read a lot of them were going to, or a couple of them were thinking of going to uh, mid-major conferences. And then really? yeah. So, like, I guess Why? The, not the Mac. Well, like the American? I guess the American, yeah. With Houston, right? USF yeah. is over there. I guess it would make sense. But this is, is not great for, for the, the landscape of college football or sports because, you know, everyone's talking about college football. But what happens to basketball? What happens to softball, you know, or gymnastics? Whatever, right? Like, this is such a crazy shakeup. It, it feels very unnecessary from my mind. Like, I understand, you know, Texas, Oklahoma want some more money, but they're swimming in money. Like, I think that oh, those yeah. two teams make as much money as most teams in the SEC, not named Alabama. So I don't really understand no, I... how this is a need. And I get the elite feeling of the SEC, but make the Big 12 good again. Like, there are some really solid teams in the Big 12, right? I think Baylor's in there, right? You know, you've got yep. Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't know why you're looking at why you're laughing at me like that. Because like, I, I wasn't sure like, there's if so Baylor's many in SEC teams. or if it's in the Big 12. I think Baylor's okay? in there. Sorry. Like, there's <laughs> – Yeah, Bay- I mean, no, Matt, perfect point. Baylor just won the national championship in basketball in the Big 12, and now they're going to have to move conferences. Right. And I will say, though, the one thing that happened from Texas A&M, they're a bunch of clowns. You had a Texas governor yeah. or, you know, legislator saying that Texas needs – to propose a bill to say that Texas needs to get – state approval to change conferences get out of here just stop and then a&m basically but, saying we, we want to be the only texas team grow up does that really matter what well, does that even mean well they're gonna lose all their recruits that's what they're worried about why because recruits in texas that want the sec is statistically the best conference because they turn out the most nfl players so if you tell a player hey if you come sec you'll probably be in the nfl well, now they can choose, you know, if they're, in, they're like, I really want to play in Texas. I want to be in the SEC. I'm going to A&M. Well, now it's like, well, I can go to Texas now. And, and who's picking A&M over Texas? Not that many people. But, I mean, A&M's a, right now a better football school. So, you, you have that. You have to but go the out A&M. there and – You got McConaughey, baby. I don't know that. Oh, Matthew McConaughey's son? Or just Matthew McConaughey? McConaughey. Oh. He's just Texas. He just shows up to the games in his orange suit. Oh, okay. And they can't – can they do horns down in the SEC? Because they can't do it in the Big 12 anymore. That, that's another joke. You want to talk about, like, the, the – uh... Texas is so fragile, oh my man. Gosh. For what? You know what? If I'm the SEC, I'm not even letting them in. Forget you guys. No. Um, yeah, so that's, that's that. Let's, let's go to Rodgers quick. We only have a couple minutes here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, after all the drama, is likely to return to Green Bay for the season. There's a listed uh, a lot of benefits coming his way to try to entice him to stay, including voiding his 2023 option and also agreeing to trade him in 2022 if he's unhappy with where the team is at after this year. So I guess a lot of nothing, Matt, in terms of Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, all the, the, the cryptic posts and things like that. It looks like he's going to stay in Green So back. he's got two years then. He's got this year and next. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. I think he's gone after this year, though. Yeah. I think they're kind of getting ready to move on. And, and – the pull he has to, to yank Devontae Adams with him is, is so crazy, right? The entire time it was, I'm yeah. not going anywhere, or I'm leaving, I'm not signing. Now he comes back for a year or two, and, oh, I'll, I'll sign. But in, in all seriousness, you know, a lot of people are saying this looks bad on Aaron Rodgers. I think it looks good. I mean, he really wanted, he wanted to leave. And to me, what would look worse – wow, words are really hard. What would have looked a lot worse, Luke, is that if he said 
you know what, I'm not playing. I'm going to go retire. Like, to me, that doesn't look right. Yeah. And the last point I'll make, and I'll let you wrap things up with, with your thoughts, Luke, is he'll be the first Packers quarterback to spend 17 years with them. Like, that's cool. And I think that might be part of the reason why they wanted him to run it back for one last year. Not to mention, they've got a great team. They could win a Super Bowl this year. I would not be surprised. So, so good on them for figuring it out. You know, it, it kind of gives him a lot of the power. But at the end of the day, he didn't demand a trade and get a trade right now. Yeah, I think you touched on all the points I would have touched on. The one thing I will say is I wonder how this changes the dynamic of player power. I mean, we've seen it with Watson. I guess not so much now, but before. And now we see Rodgers, like, kind of NBA style, being like, give me this or I'm out. So we'll, we'll see if that changes the, the NFL landscape at all. Um, but that wraps up this episode of the Watling and Owen Show. We'll be back next Monday. I'm so sorry I'll not be here Wednesday. But a week from now, talking everything in the, in the great big world of New York sports. Thanks for listening here on Twitch TV.